Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Let us begin. Repeat after me. I would like. I would like to feed your fingertips. To feed your fingertips to the Wolverines. To the Wolverines. <laughs> Next. I am afraid. I am afraid. We are out. We are out. A badgers. A badgers. Would you accept? Would you accept a wolverine? A wolverine in its place. In its place. Next, hey Ned exclaimed. Hey Ned exclaimed. Let's boil. Let's boil the wolverine. The wolverines. Next. <gasps> everybody, the Dave Juskow Show, the Dave Juskow Podcast, coming at you live, <laughs> what is it, July 19th, Tuesday morning, what, yeah, another Tuesday morning podcast, because you know, I'm so busy, I'm so busy, I don't have time to do a podcast on Wednesday nights anymore, because I'm so busy, I have so much stuff going on. Which is like kind of, you know, the greatest thing ever because um, it sucks not being busy. Am I right? Am I right? I think I am. Sorry about that. Uh Uh-oh. Just getting the computer to, uh, you know, do what I want it to do. Sorry about that. Now everything is under control. Oh, don't you hate technical problems? Could I start again? Of course I could, but why would I do that? I don't even check my math. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about now, but uh, here we are, the podcast, brand new one. Yeah, Tuesday morning. I gotta, I'm not making it a quick one or anything, but I mean, I have to go to the dentist today. Um, I schedule the dentist on purpose every four months, you know, to keep track because um, for so many years... I didn't go to the dentist because I hated the dentist because, I mean, as everybody hates the dentist except my old dentist, and I probably tell the story every time I go to the dentist, didn't use any Novocaine growing up. Didn't use any Novocaine growing up, especially when I found out that it was invented in the 1800s, not the 1980s. I had six cavities as a kid, and they were the most treacherous cavities of all time because he didn't use any Novocaine. I don't know if any of you have had your teeth drilled without Novocaine, but it's the kind of shit they used to do on Jews during the Holocaust and not use Novocaine. Yeah, it's pretty bad. And this douchebag doctor, who my dad thought was like this pioneer of dentistry, is a fucking douche. I'm glad he's dead. Sometimes I go think about this. this, this why can't I get that right? I'm so bad with wordplay. Defacing his grave. Yeah, that's what I do. I like to, you know really still get angry at people in the afterlife but my mother tells me not to so you know 
I think his wife is still alive. I know his son is still alive. I saw him at my dad's funeral, and I really gave him a mouthful. I don't care for his dad. His dad was a dick. What kind of person doesn't use Novocaine? So then I didn't go to the dentist for 20 years. I finally go to this horrible woman dentist, you know, because I'm like, you're a woman dentist because I'd never heard of one before, and I bet you a lot of you people haven't either. I mean, it's probably becoming a little more prominent, but I went to this woman dentist, and she was, I had 10 cavities and a, and a root canal, and at least she used Novocaine, so it wasn't bad, but then I wrote her up to the uh, American Dental Association because I didn't like her business practices, and her sister used to say I was going to hell because I didn't believe in Jesus. And then smacked me in the head when she found out I was Jewish. Yeah, I swear to God, this all happened. I'm not making it up. So I wrote to the American Dental Association about this whore. Because, you know, are you kidding? Really? I I mean, I certainly paid her a lot of money. You want to be treated nice. So now I got a really nice dentist. Right over the Gucci store on 57th Street. And um, he's awesome. He's a very handsome fella. And I like going there, and they always tell me my teeth look good. You know, it's funny because maybe my teeth are bad, but he always tells me the teeth look good, so I love this guy. Well, this woman who's very unattractive was like, your teeth look horrible. I'm like, well, screw you. <laughs> so it, it could all be just the genius of this guy knowing. I like the, I like my patients. I, I want them to know how uh, I know they like when I tell them they look good. <laughs> you know, I mean, it could be as easy as this guy completely scamming me. My teeth are a complete disarray. But I don't care because he's like, you look good. You look good. And I'm like, this guy's the greatest dentist of all time. But I've sent two other people to him, and they agree that he's pretty good. I sent Rachel to him because he doesn't take a lot of clients anymore. But I sent Rachel. And I'll tell you this. My friend Jody sent me to him, and he said, thank you for sending us Dave Juskow. And Jody, and Jody even goes, because I even said, she says, really? Because no one ever says that. How you doing? How you be? Dave Joskow podcast. Yeah, Tuesday morning. Yeah, I got to do it before I go to the dentist. Yeah. So I was like kind of rushing. It's like early. It's like nine something. But there's so much to discuss. So tomorrow, well, I you know, where to begin again? There's always so much action. I think I'm going to take off my shirt just wearing my what? My muscle shirt? You know how I feel uncomfortable about that, but it's hot. So I can't put the air conditioning on when I'm doing the podcast. But it's not as hot as it was. I mean, I picked... The worst, well, I didn't pick it, but the worst days to do um, a picture. I was working on a new picture this weekend. Um, it's a new picture. It's me and uh, Ava Saint, Ava, Ava Marie Saint. We're working on a new picture uh, with uh, Cecil B. DeMille. It's coming out this fall. I think you're all, that's my Jimmy Stewart. I don't know why I'm doing it um i think i just saw the jimmy stewart show which actually i'm going to do a podcast on because it's quite fast he opens the show where he's sitting i should have bought a clip with me where he's sitting on a he had jimmy stewart the legendary actor jimmy stewart you know who's in mr smith goes to washington you know and it's a wonderful life had a tv show in the 70s called uh it was called uh i got a good name for it how about jimmy stewart show and it, it it's quite fascinating i when i was watching it I didn't realize it was on NBC, you know, I just thought it was, I don't know, you know, back in the, who knows what stations those things in the 50s were. This was in the 70s. And um, he it opens with him sitting in the director's chair. It says Jimmy Stewart. He goes, hi, tonight I'm working with Mary Pickford. I did a picture with her, you might remember, called The Bells of St. Mary. I, you know, I don't, I'm not making this shit up, but 
That's basically what he says. And then uh, it's great to be working with her again. And um, it's a horrible show. And you can see why it only lasted one season. But um, it's Jimmy Stewart on television. The premise itself is so boring. He plays like an anthropology professor at a university, which would be hot, you know, if he just dated his students. But people hate that. I don't know why. But uh, I also, I brushed my teeth before I did this, and it always makes my um, my mouth dry. Um, a lot of times I, you know, because it all has alcohol in it. So I don't do that usually before the podcast. I do it afterwards, but hopefully I didn't. I forgot to get water, too. I know I can stop if I feel like it and do it. I can do whatever I want, right? I can do whatever I want. If I feel like doing the podcast and I got more to say, I can finish it when I come home. I can do whatever I want. I'm an 18 to 55-year-old man. Everybody cares what I think. So um, just a few things, I guess. I was just, well, you know what? Let's just see where we left last left off, which was uh, me doing the picture. Um, yeah, so, I mean, the, how funny is it? Last week, I sat here exactly a week ago, exactly a week ago, and told you, I'm like, Everybody should shut up about the summer. It's been a perfect summer. It hasn't been too hot. The next day, it's the most humid it's been all season. I mean, listen, it gets humid in New York. That's what happens. And it hadn't been all through July except the day I had to work on the picture. I'm going to keep saying it because there's nothing funnier than saying a picture. I keep telling it. It's just a TV show. But I just like saying, yeah, I worked on a picture because I want to be old school. So... um, so, yeah, the hottest day. And we were filming on location in Brooklyn, in Cobble Hill, at somebody's house who apparently doesn't believe in air conditioning. Well, I think they do, but the doors were opening and closing and opening, and it was hot, and it was hot outside, it was hot inside. There was nowhere to get relief except my trailer. What? Which was so cool. My trailer was so cool. Like, it was very comfortable in there, like, temperature-wise, um, that... I, we were right by this park, you know, and I think, I don't care what anybody says, still a bad section of Cobble Hill in Brooklyn. You know, there's still, you know, on Flatbush Avenue, it still ain't that great. You know, you still got the feeling of old school Harlem in there with those discount stores and that kind of stuff. And if you figure that's racist, well, go fuck yourself. Because again, you know, that's, this was a scary, scary place in the 80s when I was there, and now everybody's like, it's great now. I don't know. Maybe it is, but like I said, I still have trouble walking down 7th and 8th Avenue on 42nd Street because the memories in my head won't go away. That was the scariest place on the planet for me. So I used to hang out in Cabo Hill in the 80s. My friend Greg LaFaro, and I used to edit the old Dave Joskow and Friends show, which was a public access show, a big public access show, the early uh, late 80s, early 90s. Um, I used to edit in Cabo Hill, and we used to hang out there, and it wasn't a great area, but, you know, it was an area nonetheless, and he had a nice place. But anyway, there's a park, and it's a bunch of homeless people over there, and I'm sitting there in my cool air conditioner, and I, you know, I keep going to the people that bring me in. They're like, okay, God, it's so cold in here. Do you think you could turn the air off a little bit? I'm freezing in here. You know, meanwhile, there's homeless people playing in the sprinkler across the way. But, you know, obviously I was doing it on purpose. (laughs) It's not very nice, but it really was. It was like, it's very cold in here. (laughs) I mean, the air was on like really strong, but I needed it. It was, um, listen, 
I didn't want to come to the set all sweaty. There was nothing in there. Anyway, when I last left you that day, I went Tuesday, I went to the Broadway Comedy Club because this really hot girl who bartends there, Alex Shinko, I think her name is, she's very sexy. I mean, she's ridiculously sexy. But, ironically, brought up by like transvestites. I know. So, you know, she's weird, obviously. But she said she, I saw her on Sunday night when I was there. And she's like, hey, I'm baking cookies on Tuesday. Please come. I'm baking two cookies. So after work, I go over and I get the goddamn cookies. And or I go over there to, you know, say, I'm like, oh, whatever. It's a cute kid. Uh, the cookies are horrible. And I said, what are these? Passover cookies? These are the worst cookies I've ever had. She's like, no, they're all healthy. There's no sugar. There's coconut. I'm like, what the? F- Why? She's like, no, they're good for you. And I'm like, well, let me th- if I want something good for me, I'm not going to have cookies. If I'm trying to eat healthy, I don't care to have cookies. I don't need cookies. If I'm going to eat healthy, I won't eat cookies. So I don't want healthy cookies. If I'm going to come all that way for cookies, I want an actual cookie. Oh, boy, but did she get angry? She was furious, maybe embarrassed, and she took it out on everybody. The evil stink eye I was getting the entire evening was so hot. But um, it was also scary, you know, because she's badass. Um, but she took it out on everybody. Then she got high outside and she was perfectly fine. But, um, yeah, that's what I do. I uh, I can't help it. The thing about it, you know, I, I got to say it like it is. I don't know why. If that cookie sucks, I it's very difficult for me to say it doesn't suck because I don't lie. It's one of the best traits I have. I never lie, but... It's also a horrible trait because, you know, people people hate that. <laughs> but then on the flip side, you know what I'm telling the truth. It, you know, if she bakes a good cookie, maybe it'll mean a lot to her because I'm being honest with her. I mean, everybody always gets mad at me because I tell my mom she's a horrible cook. But and they're like, don't say that to her. And I'm like, why? She keep if you keep telling her she's good, we're gonna keep eating this shit. And we do. I mean, the only way we're getting off of it lately is because she's old and she can't cook anymore. Thank God. She's a horrible cook. And I think about all the years in the 70s when she would make this, you know, this thing for her bridge group and they were being polite. What would she make, Beth? I'm trying to think. My sister's not here, but I'm like, I know she's listening to the podcast. I'm like, Beth, what was it? What was it? The sweet and sour chicken. But it was like horrible. Too, too big a chunks, you know, of stuff and... It wasn't as good as she thought it was or the bridge group was saying as, oh, Rhoda, this is delicious. It's not good. And again, it goes back to Mama Seal, her mother, my grandmother, the, the, the stupid woman that birthed Uncle C, um, who we were told was an amazing cook. And then in retrospect later, we realized she made two things good. And those were delicious. She made a chocolate cake. A chocolate cake. She made, you see, what she'd do is, if it was your birthday, she would take the recipe and just really chop it down from scratch, make a delicious, moist chocolate cake that everybody could enjoy, you know, your mom, your father, whatever, and you'd all be singing, we love chocolate cake. Mama Seal's great. We love the chocolate cake. We love the milk and the chocolate cake. But unfortunately, 
everything else she made is a bag of crap. <laughs> Speaking of Bill Cosby, by the way, did you hear he's going blind? He's going blind. Isn't that funny? Doesn't it seem like there's a Woody Allen movie, which is a bag of crap called Hollywood Ending. And it stinks. It's one of the worst movies he ever made. The worst. And in it, he plays a director who goes blind out of nerves or whatever he did. He goes, he has hysterical blindness and he's directing the movie blind. The plot is funny, but it's not executed well. And so he's directing this movie blind. But it's definitely a good statement on the movie business in many ways, but it's, a, it's still a horrible film. And, you know, it's just interesting that a, a guy that makes so many unbelievably poignant, amazing films can make such a stinker. Uh, but it's bad, but he's blind the entire time, and there's, like, only one person knows and guides him around, and, you know, that, you know, all the blind jokes are kind of funny. And um, I don't know. I keep thinking that's what Bill Cos- that's why Bill Cosby's going blind. It's like hysterical. It's not real blindness. It's just he's going through so much stuff. He's like, I can't see. Oh, no. I, I just, I'm not going to be because I can't see. I can't remember nothing. Now, how would I be able to drug some of these fine looking ladies if I can't see? If I can't place the pills inside the drinks because I was blind at the time, how could I possibly have drugged any of these women, let alone where would I put my penis? I don't know where the vagina's located there. They're passed out. I can't. How would I be able to tell them that the penis inside the vagina would, uh, you know, I mean, I just, I guess I could have put my penis anywhere because I was blind as a bat, you see. And the penis and the vagina (laughs) and the pussy, you see. Um, it's kind of just, I don't know. That's the way I always think. He's now, they say he's now completely blind. How, how come that's not front page? Well, I guess it was front page moves. This is on page six. There was a bunch of stuff in the, the post just today. I was just reading. You know, I get the post. I love the post. You know, I love the post. I get it delivered every day because that's exciting um, to have the paper delivered to your door. I used to be a daily news guy. I don't know what happened. The post has better pictures. Listen. Every day I open the post, there's a hot girl on page three. And that's because I was with Sarah this weekend. And she goes, you know, the Daily News is becoming really good now that this guy, this is what she's saying, you know, and you know how left-wing she is. And she goes, the post is just still a mess. And I'm like, yeah, I like the post because every time you turn to page three, it's a hot. They always have a picture of a model or Leonardo DiCaprio in a model. (laughs) But they always have a picture of a model. And quite frankly, I don't know what their obsession with Jessica Alba is, but she's on page three every other day which is fine because she looks good but it's like a there must be some sort of connection there and i'm hoping to meet her i know she i think she lives in sarah's building and i'm hoping to meet her and be, you know just that's my favorite thing uh you know oh i'd like you to meet jessica let me what what the hell do you have in common with the new york post you know just immediately i'm pointing my finger you can't see and just you know just really let her have it as soon as i meet her that's my favorite thing to do but also in the post today the picture of sarah walking with a uh a bandit mask, you know, around her mouth, which she was wearing all weekend. It looks like she's about to rob a bank, uh, like a, a handkerchief, uh, a, a, a bandana, like wrapped around her mouth. I mean, you can't blame her. You know, she was wearing a surgical mask on the plane. You can't blame her 
we talked about it last week. She almost died. She's got to be terrified. The fact that she came to work uh, and did this this picture uh, that we did this picture together. We did a lovely picture together. In fact, she, she came to work a week after she was dead uh, is amazing. Um, it really was good. And we'll talk about that. All that in a second. Also, I just want to tell you one other thing. They have a huge thing, and I don't know why, on Rob Lowe uh, today about you know his worst moment in history when he was at the Oscars singing with Snow White. Now, the legendary thing, and apparently he was uh, talking about it on some... Pod, not a podcast, but like a, round, a comics roundtable or something. I don't know who was involved, but it's really interesting. He said the girl playing Snow White had been rehearsing with the play cards on the seats that say Meryl Streep, Tom Hanks, and she's like a Disney, like a you know a Disneyland Snow White. And then all of a sudden, she's got Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks in the thing, and he said she's like so her voice goes up one whole octave from what it's meant to be, and she's panicked. I mean, you can see it on her face that she's completely panicked. And um, and he still thought that he was pulling off the song. I think they were singing Proud Mary until he locked eyes with Barry Levinson, who won Best Director that year for Rain Man. And Barry and he could see Barry Levinson just turn to somebody and mouth. What the fuck? (laughs) And then he was devastated until and this is so interesting. uh, Lucille Ball came up. Young man, I had no idea you were such a good singer. Then she's she took him aside. She's like, watch this show with me. And she goes, darling, I have a splitting headache. Can you get me some aspirin? And he says, so I went what I thought was an aspirin. I gave it to her, and she died 48 hours later. And uh, people who were like the comics who were on the thing were like, that guy's got the worst timing I've ever heard. But it's kind of funny. That wasn't the turn they were expecting. But it, So Rob Lowe killed Lucille Ball as well is uh, the point of the story. But um, it's funny that he is able to laugh about it now. I mean, that that could have destroyed a person's career. But I guess when you're that looking, that that good looking, and you if you don't have a sense of humor, you're doomed. And he was an interesting guy. And uh, thank God he's got a sense of humor because then he was able to give us the grinder and then they took it away from us because obviously people hate us. But... Uh, so, yeah, anyway, all of this is all leading up to, you know, I mean, hello, have to do the podcast today to tell you all about the movie and everything. So I'm just leading up to it. I'm leading up to it. I'm giving you the whole thing. So Wednesday is the costume fitting day. Now, we're talking, I'm talking about the show Crashing on HBO. Now, I taped it this week. I told you I was doing it, so I taped it. So I'm going to tell you the whole story because um, what's the point of having a podcast if I cannot relate to my friends uh, about what an interesting experience it was. I would say amazing, but it was, um, you know, it's, uh, it's work. And, um, you know, it's not just, you know, uh, doing a picture is uh, not that easy. How many times can I say doing a picture uh, during this podcast? Well, I'm going to try. Anyway, Wednesday is the costume fitting. And here's the email exchange from the people in the costume department. We're looking forward to working with you. You'll mostly be dressed as yourself, so it would be awesome if you can bring some options of your own clothing. Any casual options you'd have would be great. Tees, button-ups, hoodies, cardigans, blah, 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 blah. Please bring it along to you to the fitting. I write back, all my stuff stinks. I was hoping you'd make me look better. I'll bring the best I have. Because I'm thinking, oh, good, I'll go to the custom, they'll dress me up in a jacket and tie. Maybe I get a tuxedo. There'll probably be a tuxedo scene. Now, I don't know what the hell I was thinking. 
And then they write back, well, they want you to look schlubby, so anything you have that fits that bill would be great. And I'm like, God damn it. That's my entire wardrobe is schlubby. So I bought my stuff, and the guy's looking through it, you know, this nice gay guy, and he's just, oh, my, oh, this is perfect. Oh, my God, this is perfect. And I'm like, normally I'd be like, really? And, but I'm like, no, this sucks. He's making fun of my wardrobe. He's making fun of the Just Cow collection. I spent years building it up. I mean, it's still the same clothes I've been wearing from the 80s. So, of course, it's brilliant. And then I bring in this uh, devil's hoodie that I have, and uh, they're like, oh, this will be great. And I'm like, it will? I wasn't sure because it has the devil's logo. And they're like, no, HBO loves that. And I'm like, great. And that's what I ended up wearing for one of the scenes. I called my, you know, I emailed my cousin. I'm like, check it out. I'm wearing this on the HBO show. I'm representing. He's like, yeah, that's some sweet, that's some sweet merchandise there. He's so cool. Now, and you know the other. So, yeah, but but you know, even the costume changing is brutal. It's like forty five minutes. You're in. You're out. You're in. I was like, I was out of breath. I had to go over to Brooklyn to Greenpoint. I took the East River Ferry, which is some maniac is running that just takes you right across the river. I mean, it really takes seconds. Uh, there's a lot of people on that boat. And then it drops you off in the disgusting area of Greenpoint. Yeah, I'm being a goddamn snob because all those people that live in Brooklyn stink. It's gross. I mean, you know, I, I guess that's the difference. If I was in my 20s, I'd be like, yeah, this is where I live. But, you know, I'll, I, it's just for me, I lived in a story in the 80s and it was such a bag of crap. And everybody's like, a story is nice. But I go back there. I'm like, I don't want to live here. I don't want to live anywhere if I live in a big city because everywhere's slummy. Think about it. There are areas in the Brooklyn, the Greenpoint area, the, you know, except for like a Brooklyn Heights, which might be nice. Everywhere else, I mean, let alone Bushwick or whatever, Williamsburg has kind of become interesting. And I got, I wish they had that when I was around, you know, in my 20s. Uh, I think that would have been a really fun place to live. But most of the areas, you know, when you're older, they're gross. And I don't want to live in a, in a yucky city. You know, I want to live in a nice, clean, modern, suburban area uh, at this point. I, you know, I, I don't. It's just, it's gross. I, if you're not going to live in Manhattan, then what? I, I know it's old school mentality, but I can't stop thinking that way because for me, that was always the dream. The always the point was, I'm going to move to the suburbs now, and the point is to move to Manhattan. Me and Atel and Mike Royce, that was our plan. We have to live in the suburbs now in our 20s, but the plan is to always, of course, move into Manhattan, and now everybody's moving out. Now that I finally got in, everybody's moving out. I mean, I, I just, I don't know. It's so weird. And now everybody's out. I mean, it's just all these people like they're moving out of Manhattan in back into Brooklyn. If I move out of Manhattan, I'm moving either, you know, you know, Montclair, New Jersey, which is like eight miles away or the, or goddamn Long Branch, you know, down the shore. But I can't do that. I have a job unless, you know, I can work from home. You know, I'm not coming in. I'm not commuting. Commuting is the worst thing there is. And if I had to take that boat every day, I'd probably kill myself if I had to take it every day. Although, you know, funny thing is, in the 80s, if they had the goddamn boat like that, that would have been sweet magic. But they didn't. They had to take that stupid end train all the time, which was such a bag of crap. And you know the late hours I used to keep all the time. So most of my 20s were sat just waiting for the subway to come 
and just sitting there and waiting and waiting in the heat and the horribleness for the stupid one subway that goes to my house to come uh, so I could get home at 4 in the morning after doing uh, stand-up and then go to work at 9 in the morning. And you know what the funny thing is? My life hasn't changed at all except for the fact that now I can walk home, thank God, or bike, the city bike. Oh, my God, if they had the city bike? When I was in my tw- living in Astoria, that would have made a world of difference for me. That would have made a world of difference because there's nothing, wor- you know, you couldn't afford a cab and there's nothing worse than having to rely on the subway. I remember one time I couldn't take it anymore. I walked from Catch a Rising Star, which was on 77th and 1st, all the way home to Astoria, over the bridge, you know, at 2 in the morning, but it was terrifyingly dangerous. Um, but I, I just, I couldn't wait for the transfer. You know, I was talking about taking the 6 all the way down to 59th and then taking the end train across. Oh, Waiting at that time of night, it was a nightmare. So, you know, oh, God, I was so miserable. Thank God that part of my life is over. I mean, it's just, it'll it'll be over all right. I swear to God. I mean, I'm never doing that again. I don't, you know, even if I don't have a job, I'll move somewhere else where I don't have to rely on that. You know what I mean? Like to Jersey or whatever, whatever it takes to not have to do that again. And that's, you know, that's the thing. So I'm on, the, I'm on this boat with these people that are commuting like that every day. And that's, it's not a bad commute. It's really short. It's just, I don't know, every day? Uh, I don't know. But it was certainly easy for me one day. And then you're walking, you know, walking to this wardrobe thing. I'm like, God damn, this neighborhood's disgusting. And everybody's like, no, Greenpoint's building. I'm like, shut the fuck up. Uh, you know, it's completely gross and, but, uh, you know, whatever. Then after the costume fitting, I had a good time in there. They're taking like pictures and stuff. And I, I you know, I look pretty good in some of the pictures. I gotta say, um, and then I took the city bike home. That's right. Instead of taking the boat home or the subway, because the only way to get there is that stupid G train, which the G train was my arch enemy in the 80s, because I'd have to take that to go to my friend Greg's to edit the Dave Truscott front show. And the G train never came. And now everybody's like, the G train's great. It's my favorite. Ah, shut up. You know, some 20, that 20, Mary at my office said, I love the G train. Shut the fuck up. You know nothing about the G train. And you certainly don't remember the, the GG which was uh, the G train, but they just added on another G for some reason back then. See, back in the day, they had the double R train, and the double R train went to Coney Island, and uh, the GG, uh, well, the G the G train doesn't go to Manhattan, so, oh, I, it's just brought back all these, I'm like, and I even told, I think I insulted them when I first, I'm like, listen, you guys are in the middle of nowhere. I'll get there when I get there. And then I had to apologize when I got, I hope I didn't insult you. I'm sorry, but this is disgusting. Um, look at snobby Dave Juskow. Now that he's in a picture, uh, very snobby. Um, hey, how are you? So then I take the city bike back. It took me a half hour to get from Greenpoint. I went over two bridges, the Pulaski Skyway and the Queensboro Bridge. You know, you're going up that Queensboro Bridge, like a mile uphill. Definitely a full mile uphill. So, wow. You know, but then I parked right by my house. And, oh, so... I come in, and remember, I think I told you a long time ago, there's a woman in my building, very hot, but older, very hot, very sexy, crazy, bad shit crazy. Uh, you know, I looked her up online. She's like, you know, I, I've told you this story before. The 
she claims the president of NBC killed her father. I mean, this girl's nuts. She used to be in news. That's why. That's how that kind of pretty she is. You know what I'm saying? And uh, she never talks to me. I always say hello. So finally that day, I just come. I'm feeling pretty good. I go, hey, doing it? And then she finally says, like, who are you? And I'm like, oh, I'm Dave, just guy. I live in the building. She's like, well, you always say hello to me, and it's rather inappropriate. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm just trying to be neighborly. Uh, so, um, and I'm like, you know, just uh, always want to take you out for a drink or something. And she's, and then she's mumbling and walking outside. I come upstairs. About two minutes later, I get a phone call on the intercom here. The doorman calls. He goes, Miss, this the Josh I'm, I'm doing a horrible accent. Uh, Bonnie wants to talk to you. So she gets on the phone. She's like, oh, well, Ahmed just told me that you were okay. So, um, I, you know, if you want to, I'm thirsty and I'm hungry. So if you want to take me to get that drink now, uh, let's go. And I'm like, now? I, I can't. I'm, I'm, I'm making a picture tomorrow. Uh, can I do it another time? She goes, yeah, we can do it another time. But I'm just letting you know that I'm, you know, committed to somebody else right now. You know, in case there's any intention, and on my, uh, uh, well, um, no, no. If she's saying like, well, we know she's crazy, so I'm gonna let it go. But I'm just saying. I mean, like, why would you say you can take me out for a drink? But now I'm in a committed relationship. I mean, but we know she's crazy anyway. The important thing is that she's in. She worked at Duke and Duke and Trading Places. I mean, that's the most important thing that there is. Um. So obviously, you know. I have to hang out with her because that's what I do. It's like hanging out when I was hanging out with uh, Ginger Grant's daughter from Gilligan's Island. And, you know, everybody's just like, uh, so I hear you're going out with Jessica. She goes, yeah, but um, he just keeps asking questions about my mother. It's really odd. I don't see how that's odd. You know all of us. You know the people that listen to this show. You you know you're going to have, you know, Bob Denver's son, or so you're going to be pals with me. You're not going to be able to stop asking that. So in that episode where Gilligan's teeth were picking up radio signals, <laughs> do you think that could possibly happen in real? I mean, you know, that's the way I am. Maybe, maybe you guys aren't, but I still say you would be. I mean, listen, when we had the pizza delivery guy from Fast Times at Ridgemont High at my birthday party, what did my brother-in-law do? He just kept doing all, the, all his dialogue from Easy Money. Hey, you bad. You're real bad. Can I call you dad? And the guy was like sitting there taking it. He was very polite. But how ridiculous is it? You go up and do the guy's lines. Remember I did that to Elton from Clueless. I met that guy. And uh, he's like, why do you know all the lines? I can see where the 16-year-old gay kid knows all the lines. Why do you know all the lines? We're the same age. I don't know. I have an issue. Where the hell was I? I got off track. <laughs> Oh, my God. Costuming, biking, whatever. The G train. Oh, my God. I really went off on a tangent. I can't wait to listen to this podcast. I'm going to be so annoyed. I'm going to listen on the way back. And I'm not going to be like, why didn't I finish that sentence? I can't even remember because it's so unimportant. Anyway. Um, oh, I was talking about that woman from Trading Place. Right, right, right. Well, that comes. That story comes um, up later. That's why I mentioned it. So, anyway, on Thursday... I have to go to work first, then I'm going to go do the picture. Um, I take the subway there. I, I'm like, 
you know, like just be, you know, be, they say, uh, meet us on the corner. Our trucks will be there. It's just like when I would say to the girls, like, yeah, meet me on the corner of McDougal and uh, Manetta Lane. And I'm just hanging out there. It was the same thing. And I'm like, what's the address? I was getting annoyed. And they're like, no, no, dude, we're right on the corner of Schumerhoven, whatever that name is, in Hoyt or stupid. I was, it was so hot that day. So I was half an hour early and I'm just like, where can I go? I try to go to the CVS, but because it's such a ghetto area, they got no air conditioning at CVS because they're afraid all the homeless people are going to come in and, and go to CVS like I was trying to do. So I just go to my trailer and thank God it was cold. The guy just shoves me in there, closed the door, and I never see anybody again. Then every, I'm like, well, I guess I'll read. I have my James Bond book. Uh, you only live twice in there. I say, oh, I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to read. I'm going to relax. Every time I pick it up to actually read, which, you know, I never read, the door, you know, knocks on the door and I'm like, come in. I always do the come in, but they can't hear it. And I have to open it from the inside. So, um, they, you know, then there's a, a contract to sign or whatever and the information. But I guess I was in there for an hour and then um, left to go do some blocking. So then I see my friend Steve Agee, who I'm working with, who, you know, I was the one who introduced him to Sarah. And that's why he is a on television all the time now. He's a, a working actor. You're welcome. He knows. And uh, my very good friend, Dave Rath, who is the manager of Pete Holmes, um, whose show it is, and Pete Holmes coming out of his trailer in uh, pajama bottoms, because that was his costume for this particular scene. And then we are all walking, the four of us, and Sarah comes out of her trailer and she starts to cry. And it made so much sense. When I was walking, I'm like, she's going to cry. She's going to lose it because here she was dead a week ago. She was dying. And here are her four or three, well, not Pete so much. I mean, she's, you know, she knows Pete, but I'm saying here are her three best pals, like really best pals of, you know, 20, 30 years walking to see her. That's got to be a very emotional, because that would work for me. For Christ's sakes, um, when I was in jail, you know, and I saw my friend Lawrence, I started to cry, you know, like, I mean, yeah, that's a very emotional scene. Your three best pals that you've known forever, especially me being, I'm saying because she doesn't see me very often. Um, that's just got to be a really great thing, you know. So she she was losing it a little bit, which was really nice, but it made so much sense. And then, you know, she had an umbrella. She always has the umbrella in the hot sun. Um, and then we walked over to the set and we started rehearsing. And... Uh, they were like, Dave, uh, we don't need to mic you. You're just in the background on this one. And I'm like, fine. But I remember saying to myself, I'm like, this guy's an asshole. You know, because you never know when they're going to throw you a line. Then you're going to look stupid. So we're sitting, me and Steve are sitting there. And basically, I'm just, you know, I'm trying to find something to do with myself. <clears throat> I'm sorry about that. I'm trying to find something to do with myself while Pete and Sarah are talking on the couch. Uh, so I decided to organize this fruit basket. You know, the director's like coming up and he's like, we need something for you guys to do. And I'm like, I'm good with reorganizing this fruit basket. I don't know. That was the plan that I came up with. And then the director goes, hey, Dave, why don't you say this? And I'm like, uh, I'm not mic'd. You know, calling that guy out. I'm like, and then he comes up. He's like, oh, I didn't. I'm like, yeah, well, I could have sworn I uh, was giving you the evil eye going like, look, dummy. Shit happens up there, you dumb. F yeah, I was giving it to the sound people. Because, you know, when I got on stage, I'm a prima donna. And everyone knows it, which is why I haven't worked in this business in 30 years. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, so 
they gave me a couple lines to say, which was good. I don't know whether they're going to use it, but who cares? You know, it's just good to be uh, mic'd and be one of the crew. And I, you know, it, it wasn't my big scene. I was, you know, it's still everything was cool. I didn't. I, I loved being in the background. I mean, I don't mind being in the background or anything. I, I've always that's my dream to sometimes just be in a show where I'm in the background, just hanging out because I'm in the show. I mean, it's exciting. I don't care. I really don't care if I don't have any lines. It's exciting that, you know, I'm I'm just participating in it. So. I was very pleased, and then um, you know, then we go back to the trailer. I try. Oh, so I try on the costumes. The costume is waiting in my trailer. It's in you know a plastic bag, you know, hanging on the wall. And I'm like, oh, they got me. Uh, oh, some oh some jeans and a t-shirt. It's my clothing. It's the clothing I left for them. I'm like, oh, I thought it was like a new t-shirt. It was like, oh, this is this is what I wore yesterday. This is what I wore yesterday for uh, Soul Cycle. <laughs> So I'm like, this stinks because I was wearing a perfect shirt. Even the I saw the writers. They're like, oh, you're wearing just the way we envisioned the character. Oh, by the way, they changed my character. Now I am no longer the character of Murph. I am the character of uh, wait. I have the script right here. Let me just see what they changed my character name. What is it now? Oh, it's Dave Juskow. Yes, they changed my character name to Dave Juskow because he's good. He's let me tell you this character and I know how to do this character. Very well. I'm very good at this character. This is what I do. Um, so, the, yeah, now I'm Dave Jeskow. And, uh, you know, then we do the scene. It's, like, really hot, but who cares? I don't... Blah, 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 blah. I'm trying to think of the good stuff. So then we take a break, and they do another scene, and we have lunch, and, you know, that's a you know, big to-do over there. Meanwhile, I'm, I'm hungry because I hadn't eaten. I wasn't sure. I knew they have a big craft service table. They didn't have a great craft service table. It wasn't classic. And I'm like, well, where, where's all the food? You know, they're like, well, there's some pretzels. And I'm like, this stinks. Meanwhile, it was a huge production. They're filming it. It's not on video because it's Judd Apatow. He wants to do it on film. You know, old school film. You know, when I came in there, I'm like, uh, who's the director of this thing? Charlie Chaplin? <laughs> and the director goes, I don't ever want you to talk to me again. Do you understand? And I was like, oh. And the, my friend Steve's like, you know, making friends fast, you know. Anyway, uh, that didn't happen. Um, the director looked exactly like Fred Armisen. So the entire time, I still think we're being punked into like some elaborate scheme. He looked exactly like Fred Armisen. So Sarah's just even like, uh, boy, he really looks like him. But Sarah's just like, well, you know, when you look like, do you really even have to wear the exact same glasses that he would wear? Is that necessary? Uh, but he was nothing but nice and delightful and kept giving me lines to do. So, you know, this is my new favorite guy. So then it comes up for the big towel scene. You know how afraid I was that I was going to be have to be naked. So then they're putting the towel. They tried not to do the top part where my I'm, I'm making the shape with my hand that, you know, I have the girl's towel on my hair. They're not going to do that part. So now I'm just in a goddamn towel. They were going to put it up to my boobies, which they did at first, and it just looked so stupid. I was so embarrassed. So embarrassed. I mean, listen, you guys, you know what I'm talking about. Our bodies aren't the best. and You guys know, you've seen me before, I'm, I'm out of shape. I mean, I try and get in shape, but I'm out of shape. I'm, I'm overweight. Uh, you know, probably have maybe a little boobies action. Uh, you know, hair's missing. You know, whatever. I'm not happy with my body. You know how difficult it is for me to go to the beach. I've just been able to do that this year, and that's still, 
trying to own it there and pretending like it's not bothering me. So can you imagine, guys, I mean, can you imagine being in a towel when you get out of the shower? All you guys, you know what I'm talking about, most of you. Uh, you know, unless your cousin Frankie, you come out of the shower and, and then there's 40 people hanging around watching in a towel just coming out of the shower. It's terrifying. It really, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's not something, you know, I, I work in an office. <laughs> this, was, this was not easy. Um, but, you know, I'm trying to I can act like a man and I go and own it. And every time when I am shy or, you know, feeling nervous, my whole life, what's gotten me through it is doing Rodney Dangerfield. My whole life. Starting in like college or something, you know, just like when whenever there's been trouble, just go into Rodney. So as soon as I get in the towel and they're there, I just go, hey, we're all going to get laid. You know, and that seems to or, you know, I just go, hey, boys, you know, it's, uh, because he used to own it, I guess. And it just makes me feel better. And people like the voice, even if they don't know who it is. It just, you know, it makes people think like, oh, this guy owns it. So then nobody's thinking about it, and I'm not thinking about it, and it's a lot better, and that's how I get through it. I mean, I would do that at weddings when I would see a lone seat, you know, for myself, dateless, and everybody's coupled up. I go over and I go, hey, how are you? How are you? Dave Juskow. Hey, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Hey, how you doing? Oh, looking good. Uh, and that would get me through the shyness and... um I mean, some of you probably have noticed it before, maybe when I've met you. You know, it's just, it's a, it's a good way to lighten up a little bit for me because I am shy, very shy. Um, and I use the danger field as a, as a way to get over it. And it's very helpful. And it's kind of, and it, you know, and it makes people laugh. So it's the perfect thing. And I definitely needed to call my inner Rodney on this one because, you know, I basically look like he... You know, does in, uh, I don't know, what is he, back to school, he's in a towel, Caddy, Caddyshack, isn't he? In? No, no, not Caddyshack, but, uh, you know, yeah, when he's diving, you know, I mean, he's in the, I don't know, whatever. He used to own it, nobody used to care. You just got to go for it. And so then, you know, after a, while, after a while, it turned out I was, I had the best part because it was so hot in that room, I was wearing a towel. Everybody was kind of jealous after a while. Anyway, this is my big scene. I can't remember any of my lines. I'm doing the best I can to remember. But, you know, it's just trying to work it out. And then I have actions. You know, I'm talking and I'm walking and getting stuff out of the cabinet as I'm talking. And I'm, I really don't know what I'm doing, but I'm doing the best I can. But apparently, you know, I was so funny. I was doing some funny stuff and being in that towel that Pete Holmes was laughing really hard that him and Steve couldn't continue the scene because I was making these faces, I guess. You know, I was buttering the the toast like back and forth where it's like that nobody has to butter toast that much so i was doing all these bits and thank god it was making him laugh so hard they they couldn't do their lines and everyone was laughing it it, it, it was it was really it made me feel good but it also made me nervous that you know i gotta i gotta keep a straight face because i want them to get through the scene but all the writers were downstairs who were my friends <clears throat> and my fr that girl beth who wrote the episode you know my character like for me wrote me this lovely Facebook. She goes, you are killing it downstairs right now. Everybody's having, you know, you look great. You know, I was just like, she's saying all the, I mean, I am in love with this girl. 
And she's saying that while it's happening. I read it when I got home. And then when, I, when we finished the scene, the writer's my friend Eric Slovin was down. He goes, dude, that was amazing. We haven't had a moment like this in this entire run. We have not had a moment where they couldn't continue. So, I mean, how good did that make me feel that I was making the star of the movie, the picture, laugh that hard? Uh, I wasn't even sure if they were laughing at me until he said, you, you look like Gabbo. And, you know, Gabbo's my favorite. Gabbo from, from, I knew exactly what he was talking about, from The Simpsons. And I'm like, stop it, Gabbo. What? All I said was that ought to hold the little bastards for a while. So the fact that I knew exactly what he was talking about was better. So we totally bonded. And Pete is a great guy. And um, the next day he was like, do you want to do my podcast? And I'm like, oh, my God, I'd be honored. I don't know. You know, I think I made a, you know, the next day uh, Sarah told me, Dave, everybody said like, boy, you, you really, uh, everybody was saying what a great job you did. I mean, that's what's going around now on the set. It's, I mean, how good does that make me feel? Uh, but I, yet in my mind, I still feel I messed up. I think all actors feel, I, I do not, I am not cocky about it. I still feel like I didn't do my job correctly i still have so much fear about it I'm, I'm telling and i'm not just being a dick about it like being like no i don't know i really feel like i didn't get my lines right i feel like i let them down and that so the next day we have another scene and they i got more lines they gave me more lines to do and we do this bit where we're all sitting on the couch and pete comes home and he goes i got it i got it and sarah's like that's anticlimactic. why don't you come in pretend like you didn't get it and then have the reveal and we all do it it was a game he started playing with um one of his uh hollywood friends uh, from the motion pictures and he said let's put it in the show so we all me steve steve ag sarah and him all have to do this thing we all have to do it and you know i'm scared it's all improvising and this is what i'm probably not good at even though this entire podcast is improvised i don't know maybe i am gonna who knows and you just have to come up and, you know, just go like, you know, I, I don't know what it's doing. I just got up and I, I come there. I'm like, and I'm nervous. You know, all the camera crews there and you're just, there's no lines. And I'm just like, you know, this city has beaten me down and beaten me down. And I have just had it. And I've been working at this for so many years. But I got it. I got it. I don't know. Something, whatever it was, I felt stupid. I wasn't prepared for that. Um, ah, you know, I'm like. Even when I'm talking to you, I'm like, I stink, I stink. I didn't do it right. Um, I'm so nervous, but everybody said it was fine and good. I don't know. And then there was a dance party after where we have to eat all this food and jump. And I'm like, I'm not dancing right. I was very, very hard on myself because all I want to do is do good, do good for them. You know, Judd Apatow's going to see it. He's, you know, hopefully he's going to be like, I like this kid. I think I'm going to sign him up for another picture. Um, I just want to do good because I want to be, I mean, as it stands right now, you know, Pete Holmes and I love each other so much because we also went out to brunch on Sunday. We're texting back and forth that there's no reason I shouldn't be in season two if there is one. You know, but who knows? It certainly would be great. So then anyway, uh, we finished shooting about two in the morning. Now I got to go to work the next day. So I'm like a little uptight. I get home. This guy, they gave me a van home, thank God. This teamster drove me home, and it was beautiful. I mean, you just go right over the Brooklyn Bridge, up the FDR Drive. I'm home in two seconds. But, you know, it's 3 in the morning. I'm wired up, obviously. And I had a a great day, technically. And, um, oh, right. I was was, was, uh, 
It's one of the things. I remember we were on the street. They were taping, you know, they were taping on the street, you know, all the lights like 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 you see in, you know, in, in like a movie set. I mean, this was a major money production. And Pete's just walking up to the house and they shoot this scene with all the lighting on the street at the nighttime. And these people are blocked off. And I'm like, God, that's so douchey. They just want to get past their lives because they do this on my block all the time. Um, God, it's so annoying for them not to let them go. But then I found out they were extras. And I'm like, boy, those guys are good. Hey, I had no idea they were extras. Um, God knows where they keep them all the day. I used to do that stuff. That's why I'm like, ugh, that's like the worst. But um, yeah, so I took the van home. So the next day, you know what? I have like three hours sleep. The next day I go to work. Then I go to do the same thing again, take the subway. I'm like, how are they not sending a car for me? Everybody else gets a car there. I got to take the subway. I, I don't know. I guess I could have asked it, but I, I think subway couldn't have been easier. From what I was told, everybody was stuck in traffic. So I was always there early and on time. That's the most important thing. So I get there. I go to I do the same drill. It's nice to see everybody again. Um, and then we do that scene. And then, so I, I should have been finished by six or seven. My scenes were finished. And then the director goes, I'd like to keep Steve and Dave and put them in the back in this next scene. And what am I going to say? No. So, but I plan my eating habits so I don't get sick around the fact that I was probably finished after that scene you know that's what it said in the call sheets so during the filming of that scene i had three hard-boiled eggs that's all i ate even though i know eggs sometimes give me trouble i figured well i'm going home soon but then we stayed and then all of a sudden they bring out a tray of buffalo wings and they bring out some macaroni and cheese and i'm like damn it so of course i have some of that then i have some nutella crackers and some you know, and then, you know, at 8.30, it's lunchtime, 8.30 at night, and they have, you know, salmon and chicken and, you know, all this other stuff. And then at 9 o'clock, the waffle truck rolls by, and I have a waffle of mass destruction. That's the name of it, the waffle of mass destruction, which was turned out to be a waffle of mass destruction in my pants. Because then after that, I had a vanilla latte because I still needed to have coffee because I needed to stay awake for this scene. I was exhausted. So it's me and Steve just playing cards in the basement. We're just in the background. They didn't. They weren't even recording us. And Steve and I just both start to get diarrhea. And we're playing cards. We don't even know how to play cards. We can't even play a game. We're, we're throwing out cards. We don't even know what we're doing. We can barely throw it anymore because it's percolating. And I had gone to the bathroom before the scene started, and they're like, where's Scout? What's happening? And I just went to pee. So can you imagine if I had diarrhea in there, and they're all like standing there banging on the door, and I'd be mortified. So I'm like, I got to get through this. I got to get through this. I knew I shouldn't have eaten that stuff, but I really didn't think it would be that big a deal. I don't know why. And then they end up miking us um, for this thing, and I'm just doing lines for some reason from Trading Place. I'm like... Do you know where I've been for the past 24 hours? Those men wanted to have sex with me. And like 10 minutes later, the sound guy comes out and he goes, who was doing the Dan Aykroyd imitation? I said, I was. He goes, I worked on that movie. I worked on Trading Places. And I'm like, no way. I mean, how cool is that? I mean, how old is this guy? But this was the guy who was complaining when I was wearing a towel. He's like, how the hell am I supposed to microphone somebody in a towel? He was like yelling. And I'm like, God, what an a- I mean, it, this must be his first picture. Uh, but then it turns out, like, what the hell would he be yelling about? He's been booming people since trading places, and he's yelling that he can't. I'm wasn't Jamie Lee Curtis like naked in a scene? Didn't he have to boom that, or she was topless? Where where they put the mic then? In her vagina? <laughs> How are you? Uh, 
But uh, this guy he was awesome. You know, we we're just talking. He goes, "Yeah, Eddie Murphy was awesome in those first couple of films, and then by coming to America, which I also did, that's when he had the entourage and he was annoyed. You know, like, and I'm like, oh, with Fruity. He goes, yeah, Fruity was there. How'd you know Fruity? And I'm like, ah, everyone knows Fruity. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm just thinking. Um, so that was way cool. And then what I was going to say was that I met the girl who's in Trading Places in my building, and I pretended I didn't know anything. And we talked. How was the film? It was pretty good. And she goes, you know, I was in the movies. I was in Trading Places. I'm like, you were? You know, I pretend I didn't know because then if she knows I'm stalking her, she's not going to, you know, well, technically I shouldn't go out with her anyway. She's truly insane. But, you know, uh, I am attracted to that, as you saw in last week's podcast. And um, let's see how far the crazy goes, I would think, is uh, not a bad plan. Uh, now, so, uh, yeah, so uh, my stomach is is going crazy. And uh, finally, it's, uh, you know, I'm walking. I'm getting up a couple times and walking around. I'm like, all right, maybe I can, I can do this. I can do this. I can get through it. So it finally ends, and I'm about to go home, and then... My stand-in is waiting by my vent. My stand-in. That's right. Yeah, because I'm a prima donna. I got to have a stand-in while I cool myself in the air conditioner. Uh, no, we all had stand-ins. And my stand-in was he's like, hey, Dave, can I catch a ride home in the van? And I'm like, that's like the worst thing that can happen. I have explosive diarrhea. I have, I'll be lucky if I make it home. And, and him and the other stand-in, they just hop in my van. I'm like, what is this? This is my own personal van. No, nobody can come in my van. It is my van. And I didn't get one coming here. And uh, what was I going to do? So they're like, yeah, we, we live in the Bronx. And I'm like, what? So thank God the Teamster guy was there. He doesn't want to do any extra work. He goes, I'll drop you guys off at Grand Central. I'm already angry they have to drop at Grand Central. Grand Central? I have diarrhea. If I go to Grand Central, you know the Grand Central. I mean, Grand Central is the crowdest place on the planet. So I'm getting very uptight. And then... Um, Again, the Teamster guy was like, you know what? It's too crowded at Grand Central. I'll drop you off at 3rd and 42nd. I'm like, okay, I can do that. But that guy smelled my stand-in. He was gross. And, um, you know, it's funny. I kept the first day I told people I got into a fight with my stand-in as a joke because I thought it'd be funny. And then the second day I did get into a fight with my stand-in. I mean, how weird is that? It's like I wanted it to happen and then it happened. (sighs) Maybe I should do that with other stuff in my life. It's so weird because I really want to win the lottery today. It's too, I really plan on winning the Mega Millions today. <laughs> I'm going to buy a ticket. Um, so, yeah. So, I get home like around 2 again. Then I got Soul Cycle Saturday morning with Rachel. And Rachel got in trouble with the instructor because... She wasn't doing it right. Rachel doesn't soul cycle correctly. So my friend Lori came up to her and I was like covering my eyes like I don't know her. And she's like, are you okay, honey? Because she doesn't. I keep telling her, I'm like, you're not doing it the way soul cycle is a unified front. And if you are not doing it correctly, you can go at your own pace. But, you know, when the teacher says get up, then get up. Or, you know, when, when she says go down, go down. She's doing the exact opposite. She just beats to her own drum. And it is hilarious but she got in trouble for it and it was really funny and I afterwards I'm like I can't believe you got in so much trouble that is like she she was like no but I'm not doing it or like she's so you know it's so easy to make her like I don't know I don't know I I wrote a letter to the soul cycle people and they said that they probably don't want you coming anymore it's weird um so that was hilarious then we went out for brunch um at that 
place where you can get the crepes, but I didn't get any crepes this time. I just had eggs because I was kind of full from, you know, yesterday was a disaster, you know, the day before. And then I'm walking through Central Park, you know, on my way home. This is my big exercise day. But the soul cycle took a lot out of me because I think I was exhausted, you know, from the past two days, the heat. I don't think I was hydrated properly. I was exhausted. And then Dave Rath goes, do you want to go to the Yankee game? And I'm like, absolutely not. This is like one of the hottest days of the year. Absolutely not. And he goes, fine, I'll just go by myself on my birthday. And I'm like, damn it. Because I really love Dave. I don't want him to be alone on his birthday. So I said, okay, I'll go. So I go home. I get changed. And we go. We take the subway up there, which was disgusting. Um, I mean, I wanted to take the subway. It's easy, but it was packed because we were going very late. And then it took us like an hour and a half to get in the stadium. They don't have that down to a science at all. I hate Yankee Stadium. I hate it there. I hate the Yankees. I hate that stupid stadium. But I probably wouldn't that much if their stadium was cooler. Like, City Field is great. And it's not because I like the Mets. Everybody knows who's a true Yankee fan, like who's a normal person, knows that City Field got it right and Yankee Stadium got it wrong. And if anybody says, I love the new Yankee Stadium, they're idiots. They're just being like, you know, like Republicans. Like, no, global warming is, you know, like, I mean, that's, they're just not paying attention and not being honest with themselves. Because Yankee Stadium stinks, just like MetLife Stadium stinks. And City Field is the only one that the only new structure they got completely correct in this town. Um, and they got so whatever. Then we went to our seats and they sucked. I mean, they were okay. They were under a covering and it rained a little bit, so it was okay. Turned out Chris Murphy and the head writer of the Jimmy Fallon show were sitting in Lauren Michaels' suites. So how angry is Dave Rath, who you know is the manager of Pete Holmes, the producer on this show crashing and the manager of Patton Oswald and, he, and he's up in the boonies, you know, somewhere. And he had to pay money. And those guys are in Lauren Michaels' seats. So anyway, we meet up with those guys. We say hello. And Murphy told me later, this guy, John Ryman, uh, has been working on a pilot. Why wouldn't he? He's got, you know, he's got an association with NBC. And he's had a part for me, which was this old curmudgeon you know, janitor type Um and he said after meeting me, like, I, I can't have him do that party. He looks too good. He looks too good. He's too young. I don't know. He's all happy the way you describe him. He's always so angry and miserable. He's like, no, he's got a show now. He's in a good mood. But I looked good. I was wearing a good shirt. And I don't know. Everybody said I look happy. Like, his wife was like, he looks great. He's so handsome. I mean, I was, like, thrilled. I'm like, really? Because I was wearing a baseball cap and stuff. But I was wearing shorts. And I always feel stupid looking in shorts. But I guess it looks okay. He's like, I'm going to have to give him another part. And I'm like, this is great. I mean, now the parts are coming on like crazy. I mean, I'm going to do another picture soon. You know what I'm saying? Oh, me and that guy, Steve, we were doing dueling um, Demones the entire time. Because you know I wanted to do the whole character in Demone. Me and Steve, we just, we just get the one, you know, we're fixing that fruit bowl. And we were saying, listen, this is a very aggressive grape. I just want to tell you. Listen, you got any, Sarah Silverman is a very aggressive girl. I don't mind telling you. Plus, when I got there, the apartment was all filled with pictures of me and Sarah when we were young, which was amazing. Um, it was so weird, like being, you know, a part of everything it was very exciting. And then so after the Yankee game, I went, to, took the subway down, went all the way down to Sarah's hotel and we had dinner. You know, I was like, I'm exhausted. Like, I'm like, you know me. I, I do nothing on the weekends. I used to just hang around and watch TV with my cat. I was exhausted. And then I walked all the way from the Lower East Side all the way home in the heat. So this girl keeps texting me, and she's like, come on, I want to see you tonight. And I'm like, I, I'm exhausted. I'm doing this. I'm exhausted. She's like, I don't know. I'm going out tonight. 
I'm going to make a wrong choice if you don't say yes. And I'm like, Ugh, that's, what does that mean? That's gross. So, I mean, the whole time I'm like, should I text? I don't know. I'm exhausted. I mean, really. I, I mean, it's like two in the morning already. And then, you know, but ugh, I couldn't do it. I fell asleep. And then when I woke up, I'm like, you know what? I'm glad I fell asleep. You know, I mean, I wanted to do the whole hat trick. I mean, that would have been unbelievable. The soul cycle in the morning and that it would have been a hell of a day and a hell of a podcast. But I'm glad I didn't. Uh, and then Sunday, you know, I was still exhausted. Like I was talking to my mom. She's like, are you all right? I'm like, I'm, I'm exhausted. I'm not, you know, we're out in the sun a lot. You know, so two days of filming and working in the heat. Then the baseball game, the soul side in the heat. Then, you know, walking. Then we went to brunch on Sunday because it was Dave Ratt's birthday. So me, Sarah, her friend Heidi, Pete Holmes, and um, this really nice guy, Oren, who was working on the film as well. And we all had a nice brunch, but, you know, it was hot. And then I walked home from there again. And then I was supposed to do the spot at the Broadway Comedy Club because I got to keep it up. And I was just like, I told Chris, I'm like, I can't do it. I've got to stay in tonight. I cannot, I can't go out. I'm exhausted. Um, I think if it wasn't hot, I probably could have, you know, worked it out. But the heat, really, I have not been drinking enough water at all. So I was exhausted and I just couldn't go out again. Uh, and I just wanted to get the week started because, you know, I got the Godfather thing. I know everything is on point with that, but I'm, you know, nervous about it. Got the football show coming up. I'm trying to work that. I think I got a meeting on Thursday. That's why I couldn't do the podcast because, oh, so I'm walking home on Saturday night. I go past the stand and my boy, my boy, Joe Harari, who used to work with me when we first started this podcast at Stand Up Labs, now works at the stand, and I'm like, yeah, I've just been looking for places to play. He goes, play here. And I'm like, I've been trying to play here. Attell and Rachel have been putting in a word for me. Nothing. He goes, well, maybe having Rachel put in the word was the problem. I'm like, ah, funny. So um, anyway, he said I could come by Wednesday and do a spot, which is great because that club is pretty good. Um, you know, it's more professional than, you know, the Broadway Comedy Club or anything. So that'll be helpful. Rachel said I could do a spot on her Gotham show on Friday. So that's two spots I can... Uh, suck up this week also the sunday night spot but sundays in the summer you know i do stuff i don't know so if i can do these i wouldn't feel that bad about missing the sunday spot and then next week of course next the 28th i got the howard stern show the wrap-up show i can't even believe it and then um you know the 29th i've got a spot at the tribeca comedy club or whatever it's called and then you know i'm going to try and get some more spots somewhere else uh you know, Wednesday night, I got a show at the Village Company. I mean, I just need some spots so I feel comfortable at about August 2nd, which is the Godfather show, and August 5th, which is the Borgata. And, of course, don't forget, September 27th is our first football show, October 18th, November 30th, December 13th. All the football shows, getting those together, having a meeting with this Converge Entertainment, possibly get a video cast, trying to get a sponsor, Trying to work it out. The puppets are all set. These guys are amazing. The puppeteers are in for the live puppet picks, if you can believe it. I mean, it's going to be a good fall. It's going to be a good fall. I think I decided today when I was in the shower that I will put together another Big Brothers, Big Sisters show uh, for them because now I'm feeling good. When they would always ask, can you do a show? I'm like, I'm not in the right place. Now I feel good. So I think I might put together another fundraiser for them because um, I don't know. I love that organization. I like or charity organizations where 
uh, I kind of know where the money goes. Uh, I don't trust a lot of stuff. Now, I know this goes to making sure that the Big Brothers and Big Sisters have events that they can take their the kids to and stuff. So I, I know that it's a, a really good cause and where this money goes. And I'm very positive about where it goes. And um, so I, I really like... I mean, how is that a bad organization? It's these nice people that want to take a kid under their wing and who, you know, maybe have parents that aren't so great or whatever, not a father or mother, and show them a good time on a weekend or something. I mean, it's a... It's a good organization. It's a good organization. It doesn't cure cancer, but it it it, it helps with uh, people that need it, and uh, you know, and maybe it uh, you know, uh, I don't know, I don't know. Whatever. I talk about. It. I just thought about it today. That's why. Uh, I guess. Um, yeah. So I mean, what can I? Uh, what, there was something I was gonna. Pl- the reason I played that top thing up top is what was the reason uh was it oh wait is it uh i'm I'm sorry i'm just checking is there was a story about uh lena i don't know if this leads into it but lena dunham uh and yeah okay this is what this this is why i made the connection wait what do you hear this connection lena dunham from girls um was very angry about the Jason Bourne movie ads because there's a whole bunch of guns and stuff in it. Oh, is it 1025 already? I gotta go soon. Uh, and this writer in the post ripped her a new asshole. It's really funny. Now, it's funny because <clears throat> I was thinking, I guess after the Orlando thing or, or whatever, the, the niece thing, uh, seeing the picture with him and the gun, I thought, I'm like, geez, you know, I don't know whether that's ad, that ad is appropriate now. Uh, I, I felt that way too. She's talking about the coming attractions, which I don't have a problem with. But the ads where he's holding the gun, you know, when James Bond is that the gun is the most important thing. You do have to look at that a different way nowadays. You really do. But, you know, you got to, it is what it is. So this is what he writes. Kyle Smith, it's so he really lets her have it. It's unclear at what point Lena Dunham was crowned the world's designated expert on all things, but her latest chuckle-headed notion is to solve America's gun violence by editing the guns out of the ads for the new Jason Bourne movie. He's furious. Dunham might not remember this, but back at the time of the 1999 Columbine slangs, America had itself a think about whether violent movies, video games, or Marilyn Manson songs caused two kids to murder a dozen classmates and a teacher. After a few months, we came to our senses and decided that, no, the killers were just evil. That's a very interesting take because it's completely true. Everyone wishes they could edit reality or at least edit the stuff we see on TV and at the movies. This is the best part. I wish I could install a filter on my TV that would digitally place a full body parka over Lena Dunham during every cringe-inducing nude scene she's filmed on Girls, but I can't. So instead, I just stop watching Girls. And ditto for me. Uh... That's hilarious, and that is really letting her have it too. And um, uh, the reason why I thought of it is like it's it's a scathing column on Lena Dunham and her view on guns. It's scathing, and so I thought of this scene from the movie Manhattan with Woody Allen. 
uh, a thing with Jodie Foster, who's you know twelve, and she sits on his lap and he just tells her weird stories about the engine that could and just died and had a heart attack. You know, everything about him is death and heart attack, and then he died young, kind of like Andy Kaufman. You know, where everybody thinks it's this elaborate joke. Uh, it's very strange. But, jeez, uh, I, I don't know. I guess we're kind of at a... I, I swear to God, I think I could talk for another hour. But I guess I'm at a time in the sense of... Um, that I gotta go. I gotta. I gotta get. I gotta get my uh, teeth. I, I have a teeth cleaning today. I these are. There's, there's so much happening. I have a teeth cleaning. Um, this is from Hannah and her sisters because that's what I do. So you know what I'm. Uh, oh, what? Yeah, Marvin Barry, your cousin, Chuck. You remember that new sound you were looking for? Listen to this. I can't help myself. Listen. I hope the podcast was a little all over the place, but I was trying to describe the whole movie scene and everything and um i hope i got it right i don't know you know i gotta listen back and be like what was that all about so um i don't know you know more to come uh next week we'll figure out some more stuff and maybe i'll uh, maybe if i've forgotten something i'll remember and maybe i'll get a nice lovely guest next week or something i don't know not a lot of time i have to do it in the mornings before i go to work i mean come on i'm busy it's good to be busy thank god i'm busy you know how depressed I am when I'm not busy. I gamble. It's hard. And then I'm like, oh, my God, I'm not exhausted. Look at me. But it's all good stuff. I mean, it's all very exciting, and everything's everything's going to work out okay. Sarah said to me the other day, oh, it'd be just your luck if I died. I'm like, oh, that's not going to happen this time. Everything is going to work out. So you're welcome. It's because my luck has changed that you're alive. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah, I'm going for it full force. I'm saying my luck has changed. I don't care because this is a—it's a good spell. I'm very happy with this uh, project and everything. Although I know God would never let me be successful, Jerry. We'll see what happens. Anyway, it's a good podcast. It's a beautiful day. Humidity's gone down a little bit. We'll see how the week brings us. I'm going to escape the room on Saturday with my niece again. We'll talk you all about that next week. Another day of Dusk Out podcast. We'll see you then. <laughs>